This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm very much aware of our recent form. We took one point from the last three games with teams behind us. Um, it's a bad combination of football if you're conceding goals and you're not scoring enough the other end. I'm very much aware of that. But these players need more help and more support, and that's what I'll do them. That's what I'll give them. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast, your favourite Olympic curling podcast. <laughs> Yes, folks, we've diversified. We, we we can't be wasting our time talking about awful performances. We can't do it with losers. We want people to get to the business end of things. Well, well, yeah, we, we, want, we just want to be talking about business end sports now. I'm David Michael, your host of this. Uh, we should just call the uh, podcast Business End Sports or something. The Business End. That's quite a good name for a podcast. Focus on whatever's uh, at the business end in sport that particular week. Anyway, joining me on the uh, <laughs> on the business end is uh, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. I've still got my fucking cold, so uh, apologies for my <laughs> nasal tones. Very frustrating, but uh, the wind on the Holt end did not really help, uh, and it was freezing. Fucking uh, you, know, you looked coldest it's been all season by a mile. You looked at the temperature, and it's like seven, eight degrees, so I dressed accordingly. I didn't, have, you know, wasn't going big coat crazy, and uh, that chilly wind left over from that storm which didn't really i mean from my experience didn't really see much of it so uh, i had to go on social media and watch people uh, tackling it across the country especially in london they were the funnier videos carnage in london it's always fun like the o2 getting ripped to bits literally well no more, more like people getting uh, blown over in croydon that was quite good spurs stadium doing a mexican wave by itself <laughs> yeah but you know just people coming out of like i don't know zara's and trying to cross the road and then their bag of shopping just whoosh, <laughs> disappearing <laughs> into another flying planet. over houses and <laughs> yeah they're they kind of part of the cause they weren't they mm. how are you mr shaw over there did you feel the force no for for once we we missed the storm um there's the the odd sort of bit of snow bit of gusty wind but nothing major all the trees in the dark edges survived this time so 
Still going strong. Mm. You may you may uh, survive climate change yet uh, if this is uh, climate change. But um, you know, lots of places in America, you know, on the tornado belt, they know a bit more about this kind of stuff. And uh, I just think uh, people in the UK are getting a bit soft. So uh, it's something like this always helps uh, toughen themselves up. You were telling us you have you deal with claims, don't you? Yeah. Insurance claims. So we're about fifty calls from between 1 and 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. on Friday. So just sort of... From Coventry? Mostly from Coventry, surprisingly <laughs> enough, yeah. And I was just I was wondering if I was going to hear any patrons. We've lost any... our stadium. Yeah. It's blown away. <laughs> <laughs> we've lost our midfield. Yeah. No, that's well, filler, that is. Got Mr. Purslow, we've, we, aren't, we aren't covered for that. Yeah, did anybody with a Scouse accent ring up asking if uh, you found his midfield? No, there's a policy limit. The, the anything above, like, 10 million is probably not covered. <laughs> Right, uh, thank you for joining us on this show. It is the My Old Man Said podcast. It is about Aston Villa, just in case you were confused. As uh, I was very confused at Watford when I was promised uh, a reaction to what happened against Newcastle, and arguably it was a worse performance. Uh, we will get into that uh, after, first of all, we tried to uh, put that off by uh, talking about other Villa news, the three points from uh, the world of football, a bit of media muppetry. Have we got anything else we can throw in just to to uh, offset the inevitable discussion of Villa's woeful performance. Curling? Yeah, we mm. kind of over-baked over, over that one. And a horse semen? <laughs> horse semen, yes, we, we'll talk about that. That's a good idea. We're not joking either, people. Right, uh, we can talk more about this uh, storm, or uh, if you want, or we can get into the Villa news. Let's just get on with the Villa news, man. Let's get this one over and done with, I think. Right, we uh, those two elusive uh, fixtures that were postponed uh, due to the COVID uh, outbreaks uh, earlier. Well, at the end of last year, weren't they? Uh, the Burnley one's still a mystery, but uh, the trip to Leeds has been uh, rearranged from December to uh, Thursday, the tenth of March, uh, seven forty-five kickoff. Uh, this is a game they could have played uh, on a FA Cup weekend, could they not? Surely. Because Leeds, Leeds surely have been knocked out. Yeah, and Burnley but, played but, Watford, didn't they not, in the in the, yeah. one of the gaps? Villa could have easily played Leeds, but didn't for whatever reason, probably because Leeds didn't want to. And I think the clue to why it's on a Thursday, an odd Thursday uh, evening, is because it's live on Amazon Prime. So uh, I think that was the priority here, rather than uh, making it easier for supporters. But, you know, we know that tune uh, off by heart, don't we? Uh, Mr. McGinn seems to... Uh, he hasn't learnt from... Uh, that target... Matt Target's uh, misdemeanours of uh, transferring out uh, Villa players from their fantasy uh, Premier League teams uh, when they know who's playing uh, the previous evening. He was uh, flagged up for dropping Watkins, and uh, sure enough, Watkins was the only real change uh, in the actual Villa lineup. So, I mean, that's just, I still can't believe that players play fantasy premier league with their own names that you know these uh bots or, or whatever scouting these things can actually uh see this i can't believe anybody with a fancy team has any villa players in at the minute yeah to be fair what's the <laughs> fucking point <laughs> i mean you know he's in the villa team he should know it's foolish to have one of them in in there but yeah it's just like you know once bitten twice shy but obviously not here they're so dumb and you know you start to piece things together well uh no wonder they're not any good at the moment because they're, they're probably 
too dumb to process bloody tactical changes and formations. But anyway, we'll get on to that later on. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mr. Barry, Mr. Archer, you will probably uh, see them playing in a villa shirt soon if uh, the first 11 continue uh, uh, louis barry and uh, cameron archer both scored for their respective teams uh, swindon and preston so uh, progress there uh, archer seems to be doing probably end up with 20 goals this season uh, at this rate i think double figures i would say would be now a target for him for sure uh, not much really going on uh, in Villa news, but uh, I did sit on a uh, West Midlands Police Football Unit independent advisory uh, group meeting, which is always interesting because uh, you kind of get the intel of what's happening and uh, you can throw in your uh, constructive criticism and pointers, etc. Only one game since we last met. Uh, I'll actually, actually, I've still got to do a uh, My Old Man Said Patreon pod on the last uh, meeting, which I, I will do because it was kind of an interesting one. Just the Leeds game, which was covered from a Villa point of view, uh, laser pen in L2 of the lower Holt was uh, discovered. I don't think they've found that person yet. So if you're listening, uh, probably not bring it to uh, future games because they've obviously got their eye on you. Uh, the referee found a coin on the pitch uh, near where the Leeds supporters were. There there was uh, seven ejections, mostly Leeds, and I think there was one arrest in that game. Right, so uh, let's crack on. With a little bit of medium muppetry in medium muppets. Right, what's in the uh, medium muppet trough this week, Phil? Well, it's the the son and their wrestling writer Costas Leanos who has decided to turn his hand to um, Arsenal. What could go wrong? I know. <laughs> he has said that Arsenal have been pro- proven right in their decision to let Emiliano Martinez go and bring in Aaron Ramsdale. So, uh, I'm sorry, what? Was it a straight choice? Did Arsenal use the £20 million to that Villa paid for Martinez to buy Ramsdale? No. It was just they realised they'd messed up so badly and they had to go and spend £30 million on Ramsdale. Thirty million, yeah. Let's repeat that. Thirty million on Ramsdale, I mean, laughable. I mean, Martinez was sold because they chose um, Burnt Leno was the the number one keeper, and that yeah. went so badly they had the spl- splash of cash in Ramsdale. More to the point, there's been a whole season between events, and in that season, Martinez has won the Copa America and gone unbeaten with his national side. Um, Ramsdale has played once in that period for England, a ten nil um, game against San Marino, which any of us three could have played and still not considered a goal. So. Yeah, it's it's just pure clickbait as well. I mean, the fact that there's over a season between events, it's like saying what Villa were right to sell Gary Cahill um all those t- seasons ago because um, they spent twenty five million on Tyrone Mings and he had a he had a better season than him last season. I mean, it's just when there's... oh, hang on a minute, you know the catchphrase of this podcast. Why did we sell Gary Cahill? <laughs> that is the I'm going to get that on a fucking t shirt. Why did we sell Gary Cahill? You've just triggered me again to ask that question. Oh, that's why I put it in. I was thinking of all the Villa, <laughs> I was thinking of all the Villa players down the line because they're like, why did we sell David Flat? Why did we sell all these players? And it was like, no, I'll, I'll throw Cahill in there just because he's, he's yeah. still playing. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, right on to the three points. Uh, finally, some good news. Uh, well, from Barry's point of view, anyway, uh, fans have completed a deal to buy back their old ground at Gig Lane and to trade going forward as Barry FC. Shout out to fan groups uh, established 1885 and Forever Berry, who have satisfied administrators of the twice former FA Cup winners. I mean, this is something that needs underlining. Berry's not just some tin pot town. They've actually uh, got silverware to their name. They obviously went into administration 15 months ago and were expelled from the uh, English Football League. Uh, they should be up and running uh, in time for the 2022-23 season. They've also had uh, 
a government-run community scheme to uh, they've had a, a million pounds from that to help buy the ground as well. So, uh, oh, good luck. So we wish them wish them luck in their uh, Phoenix uh, status. Uh, point number two: the English Football League and Women's Super League are aiming to bring in a VAR light system at a low-cost alternative to the video referees l- used in the Premier League. So, what's the main difference here? Not no using the lines for offside. The VAR referee sits in the stands with a laptop, and there's an iPad at the side of the pitch. Right. So this is a lot lighter than the uh, the setup, uh, Stockley Park, uh, etc. I mean, sounds great against Watford. Against Watford again. That first decision straight away, you're like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's almost like dial up uh, internet uh, or whatever they're using. But yes, uh, this is you know, a, a, a lot. Uh, lighter you have uh, the actual person the VAR referee sitting in the stands uh, using a laptop and pitch side monitor is replaced uh, with an iPad uh, for the ref and uh, they're doing away with the offside uh, lines as well yeah just sounds good it sounds like what VAR should be I mean sounds leaner and meaner doesn't it It sounds brilliant I mean, the only thing is, I hope the, the VAR referee sitting in the stands has got like a sort of enclosed area and just some of the decisions they might make. <laughs> but the, the good bit about it is they say the camera array can be installed in 45 minutes. So they can just go and stick up four, um, sort of four or eight, I think is the options are, of possible camera yeah. sort of tripods. And that's that's them good to go. So it could fit in in the, the lower leagues. Uh, point number three, uh, Thomas Muller, the uh, infamous... German centre forward who uh, we like the Muller mentality. Mm-hmm. It's a winning mentality, and it's something that Villa need to get it syringed up their ass ASAP <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we're in trouble. We're in freefall. I think if you read read on here, it's going to cost about about one hundred and seventy quid a dose to get it done. It's <laughs> a bargain, that. Him and his wife Lisa have been accused of animal cruelty by uh, Petter after selling frozen horse semen. I told you we'd get frozen horse semen into this podcast. <laughs> the German international has been accused uh, by Petter of unnatural sex acts in their sale of frozen horse semen. <laughs> horse semen, for which they charge £170 per dose. Do we have the details on these unnatural sex acts? No, I think it's just as simple as the fact it's it's collected instead of deposited and where it's meant to go. I'm not going to read out your in-joke here. (laughs) It arose after one of their horses was injured in preparation for the breeding season. So what, do we know, have we got the details on this injury? No, we don't, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm not going to go into any... uh... Uh, hypothetical guesses here. But uh, Petter basically claimed that they are forced into these unnatural acts to maximise profit. But we need details. What are these acts? Who's the researcher on this show? Oh, I think it, I think it is actually just the fact that it's it's um, it's collected instead of, like I said, it's collected and frozen instead of being used the way it was intended to be. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time that I can see that uh, having a YouTube uh, visual channel of this podcast would be uh, beneficial because we could show the footage of these unnatural uh, horse sex acts. But uh, And our live reaction. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it's a good thing. It's audio only. Right on that note, it's straight into this Watford game oh, at Villa Park. God, the uh, luckily it was the day after the storm shenanigans because uh, you know I wouldn't have been convinced of going. I think I would have played the fair weather card. The fair weather. I mean, I looked out the window there. Saturday morning and thought, meh. Mm. The apathy is kicking in. <laughs> the uh, Paul Paul Lambert stroke Tim Sherwood apathy. 
is already in our bones like arthritis. Uh, uh, well, you know, we know what this game was all billed as. It was billed as a reaction to what we'd seen first in the second half against uh, Leeds. Sorry, first in the second half against Leeds, where we uh, really didn't do much when it came to uh, finishing off what we'd started. And then a completely abject performance against Newcastle and this reaction, uh, it's kind of a joke. Uh, Although all the pre-match stats did suggest that Watford would probably win this one because, of course, every stat was like, wow, Watford are truly appalling. Oh, shit, they're playing the Villa. Of course they're going to win. Yeah, it was the natural order of things with the football gods, of course. But uh, putting that aside, uh, I was expecting uh, more of a, a, whatever the result, more of a reaction and... uh, First half, we were okay. I can't remember Foster making the save. Let's start with that. We had one shot on target. We had 20 shots. Sounds great. But one shot on target, and I can't remember Foster being troubled. No. Apart from a few whizzing over his head over the bar. Yeah, and the, and the Ings one, and hits the post, which would I think was offside anyway. I can't think of uh, real key moments, but the, probably the opening moment that uh, I think most people in the ground thought that was a penalty. I was in the hope, so you know we're a pitch length away. We had a quick look on the old sky. And uh, they had the replays in the ground, which Villa seemed to be having a sneaky you know, yeah. uh, sneaky uh, attitude of doing it, which I quite like. Put it on the big yeah. screen just to undermine the ref. Well done. Yeah, because yeah. the club between me and you uh, aren't happy about uh, some of these VAR decisions over the course of the last couple of seasons. So uh, when I saw them starting to play replays of these incidents, repeated replays of these Brilliant. incidents, you're thinking they're doing this on purpose because they're getting fucking pissed off. No, well, just going back to the penalty, it was when you were looking at it, it was one of those ones that. Uh, if it had been given, there's no way VAR was going to overturn it because the, the Watford player, his upper body bundled into Ings clumsily enough to make him go over. And then like in the act of Ings going over, the ball has maybe flicked off the Watford player's foot at the end of it. Um, you just have to ask yourself, Ings in that position, he's just waiting to do something, to put the ball across the box or have a shot. There's no reason for him to go down at all. So law of, yeah. law of averages, you're, th- you're thinking to yourself, if the referee was sort of up to speed in the game and looking out there, he's going like, he's, he, there's no way he's going to go down for, for no reason there. So, you know, something has happened. Because, uh, you know, my reaction was if he was in a red shirt, he'd have a penalty though. Yeah. Yeah. Fill in the team who would potentially be in that red shirt. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, a grievance. But you thought it's early days. Uh, I don't think it's going to really affect this game. But uh, that was probably the game over from there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought, you know, to be fair, in our, in our, I thought we played some okay football first half. We kind of puffed and puffed a bit. Some nice interplay. We didn't make enough chances. And I don't think we, as you said, we didn't work the goalkeeper enough. I think the best passage of football was actually Watford on the counter-attack with the big, you know, the kind of the breakaway chance they had where Martinez makes a makes a big save. And that's kind of, you thought, well, that'll wake Villa up a little bit more because I thought Villa had been sort of neat and tidy without getting up ahead of steam. But at half time, you thought, all right, fair enough, nil nil, but we can push on here and then push on. We did not. What was happening was uh, other teams, they know that if they press us when we've got the ball at the back, that just, uh, we look like, a, well, a lost cause. And, you know, the ball ends up mings his feet and there's no options. But what Watford didn't, they weren't that tight on that. They let us have it. And uh, so we could feed, Newcastle, it in, really. feed it into Louise and, you know, we could get things going. Uh, but what they were doing was their three midfielders were, when they were defending, they were they were forming a shield in front of their back four, and they were coming in tight. They were you know very close to each other because they, it was like their Roy Hodgson basically his counter to Buendia and Cortinho kind of buzzing around that kind of area. 
So they completely closed that down. So I said to you at halftime, uh, in our little halftime chat, I said, I think he's got to be proactive at halftime. He's got to bring, mm. you know, literally bring on uh, Bailey or uh, let's, you know, get more out on the wings and stretch them out because it's almost like they've got a midfield force field in front of the defense that's blocking all that space and uh, really restricting the potential effectiveness of Coutinho. And then when they broke, they had wits. Those three midfielders completely spread out, left, right and you know they attack with width and it was quite interesting to watch it and it was you know it's pretty uh, very well drilled and and very effective and and, and they're quite a uh, athletic team uh, well they're strong to a man. they're quick yeah to a man yeah, yeah. so if they've got a, a well built system then they've always got a chance i think and uh, there was no reaction really from Gerard to it well we spent no. 90 minutes trying to thread the ball through the eye of a fucking needle it was like if we didn't score the perfect goal, we weren't going to score. Oh, and then you've Roy Hod- Hodgson in charge of Watford. He'll just like flick up the old playbook. Oh, this this reminds me of an Inter Milan match in nineteen ninety whatever. Yeah, we'll just th- this is this is why 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 does it? Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, I've seen the, better. I've seen better teams do this much better than Villa. Oh, this is easy. Exactly. Yeah, this is the tactic we'll use. I mean, Newcastle used an inferior version of last week. Where do you see the Watford version of this tactic? We'll just this will be even easier. So and it was. It was blatantly obvious to me what they were doing to stop Coutinho and uh, Buendia because Villa do play th- through the middle and they and they are more narrow and, and anything from the width is basically from the fullbacks, isn't it? And those two guys are not really uh, in form at the moment. Not really. Dinier bombs on, he gets involved, Cash is having a, a pretty torrid time, to be honest, when he crosses the halfway line at the moment yeah. and looks devoid of confidence. And I think Watford have kind of said, well, all right, we'll just let their wide men have the ball because they ain't going to beat our man. We don't, we don't back them to beat their man. And if on the, on the very unlikely event that they toss a ball into the box, we're more than likely to win it. And if we don't win it, we'll just go down with a head injury. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's no height height in that Villa team up front. No, and, and I think you know there was the moments when actually we did get you know little passages of play where we we, we had some really neat play in and around the penalty area, but it wasn't quite there. You know, the final pass wasn't quite there. I think Watford would get a, a lot of bodies in the way. They'd put bodies on the line. They'd like clear it. We, you know, we had lots of we actually had a reasonable for the first time in a long time a passage of like you know persistent pressure in and around their box corners etc. But we just weren't doing anything with it. We were so blunt in attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's one the neat approach play. It was kind of, you thought, well, you, you couldn't really fault us in terms of the quality. We just weren't moving or couldn't move the ball quickly enough to play through their press. Yeah, yeah Phil. There was one moment that I think was early in the second half. It was um, the ball was worked through to Coutinho, like everything good that happened went to Coutinho and he saw the space and he played uh, played McGinn in. And it's, it's like McGinn's in acres of space on the edge of their box. And it's like he, he just tries to pass the ball back into the traffic instead of taking a touch and hitting it or basically just doing it. Just even a sort of like a straight run into the box and he could have got brought down or he could have squared it across with his with his bad foot. But it was just such such poor decision-making. It's like... Yeah, it's probably the word for it again. Mm-hmm. For the third game in a row, the decision-making has just been atrocious. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just, I mean, what, Watford, uh, with their first break, uh, this decision it's there where, where, he, where he shot, I mean, they, they just slice straight through as in, I think he picked the wrong side of the goal. Uh, Martinez made the save, but it was, you were just, you just saw him lining up on his right foot and he thought this is going top corner in the other side but I think he at the corner of his eye might have seen Mings coming across so he went for the other side where Martinez had better coverage and so we, we dodged a bullet there and so you're, you're thinking well uh, that might be the wake up call like like I said it, it is the decision making it's it's really I mean it gets to the stage where you're almost it's, it's idiotic decision making sort of between the midfield and the final third it's just they're playing the ball into the into a player with um, Watford players around them they're not having a shot when the shot's clearly on you think of the one that was on for Louise and he didn't hit it and then lost the ball and then Jared just hooks him straight away after that that was a decent period of uh, pressure and Villa players were doing well they kept you know recycling it and uh, you know you've got the little dial of momentum which was actually all oh, right we've actually switched on now and we're, we're going to uh, give him a get and then Louise's misplaced pass and you know just deflation on the halt and then within a couple of minutes uh, Gerard hooked him yeah and and rightly so. It's, it's just like, yeah, I think my patience is running thin on him as well. Yeah, so I mean, the decision to replace Louise, the, the player, was correct, but the decision to replace a midfielder probably wasn't correct because you can look back and that was, it was almost suicidal. I mean, the, the, the midfielder was already getting out muscled and overrun, and then you just take one out of it. When Watkins came on, I, I did think, uh, oh, he's. he's uh... He's kind of throwing caution to the wind here, but I think maybe he's just impatient with what's happening here. But then yeah. he did think, well, actually, uh, we have every time anybody's attacked us on the counter in recent history, we've looked very vulnerable, and uh, suddenly the sh- you know the supposed shield of the defence is now gone. Yeah, and I think impatience is, an, is another problem here because if you think back to Gerard's first few games, it was like, right, he's in, he's like fighting his feet, you know, he, he needed to hit the ground running, but he, nobody was expecting that too much. So like a draw in this first couple of games would be all right. So Villa played very much like that. And it's like, right, now there's the time of the match where we're going to maybe take a chance, like the last 10 minutes against Brighton, where they were protecting the lead against Palace and they were doing well. Whenever it's like Villa have to, the force it's like, right, a draw is not enough. We need to win. It's almost like there, there is an element of desperation creeping in now. Yeah, I always remember uh, Martin O'Neill, where we were very good away from home and we'd win games just because we had pace on the counter. And, well, we had pace uh, and power, didn't you? Had, you know, you had Carew, Gabby, Ashley Young, etc. And, you know, we, we were decent in defence, so we could invite teams on and then get them. But at home, we, we were next to useless in terms of breaking teams down and we really struggled to rack up wins at home. In fact, you know, we, we were winning more away from home than we were at home. And we haven't really got an identity of what we do here because, you know, we, I just explained what Watford did as to uh, how they, you know, put those three midfielders, they came back really tight to uh, close down all the, uh, to, you know, all the space and 
create a barrier. And then they've obviously got the athleticism and speed on the counter. But we, we haven't got that. You know, how do we defend? We haven't really got uh, almost like blue collar midfielders who would tuck in and do that defensive job. It's like left to kind of Louise to uh, ghost about. And uh, apart from that, you know, you've got McGinn getting stuck in, but it's not really kind of well organized. It's almost like it's ad hoc. And as you said with McGinn, the one who's there who's having to do a lot of the dirty work, I mean, the amount of times he was taking the ball off the centre backs deep and Ramsey was coming so deep to pick the ball up as well. That's not where you want them. You see where McGinn plays for Scotland and how effective he is. He's when the, I've, I've sort of used the analogy with McGinn. He's like a grenade. He's not a subtle, like classy, silky, ball-playing, let's-run-the-game type midfielder. He's like a grenade. You pull the pin and you throw it at the opposition and just let him cause damage. He's a blunt instrument. You've got to let. You've got to get him at a, you know, in a period of the field where he can hurt the opposition. Otherwise, if he's just playing deep, he's not controlling enough. Yeah, the last thing, the last thing you want is a grenade in your own half, and that's exactly yeah. what happens. Because, because you don't I mean- quite know. Yeah, you don't quite. It's like we dropped the grenade, and then of course, I think the the decision to take Louise off for of Watkins, while it was brave, everyone's kind of going. Right, okay, hang on a minute. What are we doing here? And then everyone's sort of looking, especially from where I sit in the upper hole, you're looking down and you're trying to work out what the shape is. And it almost looked like a diamond, yeah. but it was a bit confusing. He thought, hang on a minute, is, is McGinn playing at the bottom of a diamond now? It was, yeah, and think- again, but you're still narrow. He thought, I don't quite get what we're trying to do here. Other than he's, he's trying to go for it. But, and then, of course, then you hook uh, Buendia as well for Bailey. And we've had some games, certainly in the early Gerard games, I think we, we said we did a pod, and it was the first four games, we thought each time the subs have come on, they've impacted the games, and he's made his decisions flawlessly. Now we've sort of seen the other the other side of the coin in recent weeks where the subs have just, I don't know what you'd call it, they've absolutely hamstrung us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, McGinn's an interesting one because he is... Uh... It's like the. It's good to watch him because he's he's like an entertainer almost uh, for the crowd because of his effort. And you can't and, not uh, like him, can you? Because and, of that? yeah, he's, and he's very likable. But it's like it's in the overall picture. Does he actually uh, give that midfield what we really need, which is kind of a bit of organisation and control? Because he is a bit ad hoc in what he does. Some and, of his you know, passing in the better. second half yeah. was atrocious. I mean, sometimes that's for the better, and but a lot of the times it does. Uh, compromise uh, what we're trying to do here yeah because it exposes his limitations whenever he's playing deeper when he's playing deeper you ha- your passing has to be good I mean it, it doesn't need to even have to be good it has to be excellent you know because you're you're cutting through the lines with those passes you can't make a mistake and some of the ones McGinn was hitting straight out or was over hitting it or it's it, his passing's not good enough there when he's further up the pitch and like you said he's like a grenade and he's bouncing off defenders and you know he's he's breaking and making a loose ball that other people can make advantage of that's perfect position for him but when he's deep he, he can't do it by the way folks i don't believe that manchester united are going to swoop in and pay like 50 million for mcginn uh, for all the reasons that we actually say and you know we've got i love meatball badges on uh they don't they're a bit more uh rational i would say anybody who was going to buy him that nobody's dropping that much money but he can be an asset and that's that's the uh the issue here louise i'm looking at him and, and i'm thinking you can upgrade there and uh you take away the fact he's brazilian and he used to play for manchester city and suddenly you're looking at somebody who's a bit at the moment is a bit meh. i'm sorry but with with respect to him you look at that brazil team that he was actually playing in at that period and it was a shit brazil team it's just he was in the same brazil team as wesley Correct. You know, you think who's the who's the deep line midfielder for Man City? For uh, sorry, for uh, well, Man City and for Brazil, Fernandinho, probably the best, if not the second best, in the world in that position. Louise isn't it close? Yeah. 
He's not even the best defensive midfielder at Villa. He's had good patches and, you know, we've always said, you know, he's only, uh, well, at the moment he's only 23, but it's just something about his overall demeanour and, uh, you know, off the pitch and whatever. I don't think he's like, I think he's more into the lifestyle than he is uh, in the actual uh, focus of being the best footballer he he possibly can. But also, uh, maybe a lot of it's not at his feet because I don't think he's the style of player that we need in that position. No. We, we need somebody a bit more blue-collar and practical, I think. Yeah, like, like in the Camber, you know, it's very easy to slate in the Camber in the past, but actually in those early games when Gerard first came in, you saw what the Camber can do when you give him a very simple, defined role and you actually limit what he's meant to do. You know, I don't need you to cross the halfway line and control our attacking play, especially with the players we've got now when you add Coutinho, a fully fit Buendia and a very emerging Jacob Ramsey to the mix. You almost say to him, you just sit on the in the centre circle let McGinn be 10 yards in front of you and you let your front four go and win us the game. I don't need yeah. you to do that. You just be really, really disciplined and that would balance the team and it would free up you know, McGinn to give us that energy further up the field. It would allow you know Ramsey to not be taking the ball off the centre-backs, which I don't want to see him do unless he really has to. Luckily, he can carry the ball well in his defence, so every now and then it's okay, but... It's, we just look so unbalanced. I noticed Villa Twitter's favourite pundit has been uh, suggesting that uh, Buendia should be dropped. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, I think Buendia is... It's the rest of the season. One use of it is to actually get Buendia down pat as a kind of superstar midfielder who makes things happen. A, if just in case uh, Philippe Coutinho doesn't have a uh, future beyond this season, but also, you know, there's an investment in that player and we need to get him down as the, uh, you know, the kind of beating heart of that midfield in terms of its creative capacity. Well, you need to get to a point with him where you trust him because it's exactly what we lack, kind of lacked it at Newcastle. We lacked it in the second half against Leeds was that guy, and we've spoke about it so many bloody times in the Championship and in the Premier League, is that... That guy that used to be Grealish, it's the, give me the ball, I'm going to go and win us the game today. I looked at that second half and you thought, right, you've got that front three who are all capable. You've got, in theory, two strikers on the field and you've got McGinn. Who's taking the responsibility today? Who's the guy who's saying, actually, I'm going to win the game today? And I'm looking at it going, hmm, I'm not seeing this. You've got talented players on paper. They're playing within their shell, aren't they? Talented players on paper. Talented players that that sound good when they're coming in for this amount of money and that amount of money and you know and also there's a lot of players who've done it before. But as you said, in the game against Newcastle, in the game here against uh, Watford, you know, in in that second half against Leeds, there's nobody taking responsibility. There's nobody really leading. But there's nobody. This is the thing that frustrated me. You know, go back to the Grealish time when he never took free kicks. And we mentioned it on the podcast. And then a couple of days later, he was, you know, on his Instagram, he, he uh, had clips of him practicing taking free kicks. But I want my Coutinho's and Buendia's to be taking the f- free kicks. I want the maestros to be, uh, you know, orchestrating free kicks. Yeah, when you've got a free kick on the edge of the box and you've got Luca Dini, like, like off centre, perfect spot for a right footer. And you've got Philip Coutinho, who's probably one of the, well, in the last and he can hit it, 10 Coutinho years in the Premier League, well. probably one of the best strikers of a ball. You think, hang on a minute. Come on, yeah, Phil. I mean, I saw what they were doing. They were like, they were they were trying to make out that it was going to be a right footer taking it, and he just kind of nipped in with his little left foot to try to do something. But you know, I, I, you know, respect to Newcastle. Just play the percentages. Get somebody yeah. who can fucking hammer it and just hit it on target. Make the goalie make a save. Because you never know what you can get you know, when you're picking up the pieces and all those other fucking cliches. Villa trying to be too fancy. Just let one of these guys become the leader on, on free It's kicks almost exactly and, like uh, Smith, isn't it? It's like almost too, too much information, too much sort of, too many ideas. Too many options so, almost. Too yeah. much fucking about. 
I'm starting to think I'm starting to see, like step back and try and see the bigger picture here and think to myself well, well what are they doing these players that they're buying why are they buying them is there any sort of like psychological profiling being done on them you know are these leaders or these players when they can that you want in the trenches if the going does get a bit tough because you need a few of them in every squad not you're not even in the first team you need a few of them in the squad and you're just looking at yourself and you're thinking Sanson yes nice touches and everything else but clearly nobody trusts him or else he would be on the pitch Louise, the same, nice touches and everything else, but he's not getting stuck in. We've spoken about McGinn already, and you're just wondering, Bailey, the money dropped in him. Now, I know he's been out with an injury, but Ramsey put the ball on a plate for him right in the that last minute. up the game that moment. Yeah, and a 30 million player should be able to trap a ball. If he kicks a shot wide, we'll, we'll, we'll criticise his shot, but trapping a ball, that's nothing to do with an injury. So what yeah. what's going on with the the supposed scouting of these players. I mean, you've ever been on Twitter going mental, praising up Lang and everything else and saying that he's done a masterstroke and everything else. I haven't seen a masterstroke come in from anybody he's signed yet. I think Buendia is the only one you think he's he's looking like a good a good signing. I think Ings started well and has faded. You're looking across the fi- across the pitch, sorry, and down the squad and even on both sides of like the management and you think, well, everybody has had really bright moments this season, but they've also had some horror shows. And that's the reality of why we're where we are. You know, on paper, do we have a top 10, potentially top eight squad? Yes, but that doesn't count for shit if you can't get any consistency. You know, we're on the, you know, whatever date we're looking at, you know, you're sort of mid-February and have we put in a 90-minute consistent performance? The only one you thought thought where we came close to it was probably a 1-0 win at Old Trafford, which in the end was a little bit sort of smash and grabby with a missed last-minute penalty, but we earned our luck that day. But we've had little 20-minute periods here and there, but I'm still yet to see us control a 90-minute game of football? I could happily write off this season because there's, lot, now. <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of mitigating circumstances in terms of getting a momentum going and obviously there's been a change in management. But I want to see, as as I keep saying, I want, as I keep saying, I want to see performances that actually allude to us being a force next season. Yeah, agreed. And with the quality of players that we've got, you would think that we're only a couple of pieces here and there away from actually being a team that legitimately would be talked about in terms of challenging for Europe. And we can actually boldly say, you know, the players and the management and the owners have been saying we've been going for Europe the last couple of seasons. But the supporters, you know, if you say that, you're going to get shouted down by a certain section. But I was hoping that this end of this season, we would get to the point where we started next season. And as a fan base, you're thinking, right, we're going to uh, crack on here and we're going to be a force to, uh, you know, to be dealt with. I do wonder if the players are and, really struggling with that expectation. They just can't this, hack the expectation. Well, they, sh- they should be able to because, uh, you know, you've got Martinez has just won the Copa America. Well, I think he can. Mings has played for England. You know, Lucas Dean's played uh, for for France at the top level. And you know, you got Danny Ings and Coutinho's no schmuck, obviously. And and you know, Ashley Young's experience and he's won you know league titles, etc. And you know, the other players like you know Watkins, they're in and around international squads. I mean, okay, but probably while the lockdown was on but uh i don't know i think there's there should be enough there to uh get you maybe we've, we've got raised tinted glasses because you looked at that watford team today and they never looked troubled by what we were trying they were, to uh, they were physical mm-hmm. they were physical they had a plan and they stuck to it and they executed their plan well we have a plan and we don't execute it well and it's happened a few too many times that you can see what we're kind of maybe trying to do and i only say maybe because I don't think it's that clear a plan. And this is what will get the, the fan base irate: is if they don't see the potential of what could happen next season. Yeah, and you think you know we're, we're on it. We're actually not going anywhere. We were promised continuous improvement, 
and actually we're starting to corrode away here. And uh, after all the shit that we've gone through as a fan base over the last uh, decade, yeah, decade, that you're kind of hoping that you're going to be cut to break, and that's going to lead to uh, a bit of frustration. This, this here. is why and, the fans, I think, not just necessarily Twitter, etc., but the fans get accused of overreacting because our sort of threshold for bullshit, frankly, is very fine now. We kind of we we see. We see this shit coming over the horizon quickly now, and we're like, hang on a minute, we need to nip this in the bud before we end up going back to the dark days of Lambert, Shearwood, etc. Um, you know, don't undo your hard work when you've done so much good work. You know, like the, the, they get a bit of a pass on that Leeds, Leeds game for me. It happens, Leeds were good, but we played some great football. You get mental games like that. Newcastle and Watford back to back to lose the games is one thing. To lose the games in the manner they have, you know, it maybe happens once, you can't do that twice. I find myself sitting there in the hole thinking, what am I paying my money for here? Because all I'm seeing is overhit crosses. It's Groundhog Day. This place passes. I'm seeing players feigning injuries for ages, the breaking up of play, the referees that can't control a game and get players off the pitch. There was a Watford player that was getting treatment and he decided, sat on the line, to, take, he? The decided yeah. to take treatment like an inch inside the pitch now the referee should have been over there just dragging him off or flashing his cards around they're obviously trying to break the momentum of the last 10 minute you know kind of fight back from villa but it happened against newcastle it happened here it happened against leeds where everybody was lying down and cramp and it's like get a grip referee because I don't, i'm not wasting my time and my money sitting here watching this shit show of actually nothing's happening Bob. i want to see the ball in bloody play and the stats speaks for themselves. You know, Villa, Villa are bottom of the table for teams keeping the ball in play. We cannot keep the game moving. And we've all said fucking weekly, we're a momentum team. And if you can't keep the ball on the pitch or keep the game flowing, you aren't going to win games. It can't be a coincidence that it's happened in the last couple of weeks. Newcastle disrupted the game. Other teams have managed to do it. Leeds did it, didn't they? Man City, whenever they've played us, they've fouled us all over the field. You just knock our momentum off and we, we, just, we have so little resilience and I don't know why that is. Right, start of the game. Well, that's been hinted at already. Watford's that was Watford's first goal in 440 minutes, and today was oh, it. Oh, God. And today, today was <laughs> oh, also the, the first the first Premier League home game that Villa haven't scored in this season. Of course, we'd expect no less. But yeah, right. Burning question of the week. Right. Well, there's two. Julian, have the narrow Stephen Gerrard tactics already been exposed as flawed? Well, yes, Julian. I mean, uh, we've already we've kind of gone through what Watford did, and uh, to the extent that Newcastle were were barely troubled by them as well. There needs to be uh, an evolution in game if that middle just in front of the uh, the back four has been uh, closed down, for want of a better phrase, don't you think? I don't I don't know what the combination is, whether it's because of the fullbacks, whether it's coming from other positions, whether it's just the overall shape and system isn't working, if it's all a bit square pegs, round holes. I don't I don't know what the solution is. You know. Because the way we get width is obviously for the fullbacks, uh, because we're playing those essentially two number tens. And how have we been caught out in the last few games? It's by those fullbacks being too far up the pitch on the counter. I mean, Cash... I don't know what he was doing at times. No, but you you would say the the counter argument to that is the the team that Gerard built in Scotland has just um, beat Dortmund in Germany four two this week. So without Gerard, <laughs> without Gerard, yeah, it's, it's a case that maybe the formation and the system and isn't flawed, but it's uh, the personnel just can't execute it. Yes, the personnel aren't there to play the way he wants them to play at this stage. Yeah. One last question before we go: Is the lack of a quality DM the answer to all our problems? 
or does it run deeper than that maybe some of our squad aren't good enough to push to the next level yeah it's that isn't the holy grail is it i, I don't think it's the missing link and everything clicks into place uh, what i will say though is this team is not a team of uh, schmucks though you know these are talented players we've spent a lot of money on and we have seen evidence of them all doing you know great things you just want them to do it consistently you know bailey's obviously been out so he'll take a few games to uh, we might not see anything of him until next speed. season really but he'll need game time to uh get in Brendia probably needs uh more games as i said this i mean this second half of the season's main purpose is to uh set up next season but they've got to show something they can't just be waiting around because uh this team's not going to uh hit the ground running next season unless they've actually uh got it some self-belief from what's happened in these uh final games of the season i don't subscribe to the fact that uh our squad isn't good enough i think it's as good as it's been in the last decade or so just a couple of players almost you know like the dm is more i mean people are saying oh we're you know, 50 million leicester blah 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 it's not like throwing a shitload of money at that position it's just finding it's just, the right person correct just getting the right player to fit in and, and that could be at any price point really i mean look at what we did with mcginn look at what leicester paid for uh you know for kante a few yeah. years ago the, the, mid, the midfielder and the right people yeah the midfielder i'm thinking about the word i would use to describe is unambitious because you've enough ambitious players as far as getting forward in that villa team you want the player Probably that actually too many you actually you want the player that enjoys playing in the center circle he doesn't really leave it that much yeah, I mean, I remember speaking to Steve Round, and he was, they were still looking for that kind of player for the Villa midfield, you know, then when he was building the Villa engine. And, and I said, uh, would you be looking for somebody like a Kevin Richardson? And he said, yeah, that's probably uh, exactly the kind of player that would really benefit Villa at that time. And I think this time as well. Somebody Just who's steady. super disciplined, but is very good at linking up play as well. Just the simple passes, keep, yep. keeps the clock ticking. Just like but Man also, United had Roy Keane. Also, he's a bit more physical, I would say, than uh, Kevin Richardson. But Richardson could mix it. But yeah, he could mix it. But he, he wasn't as like fearsome, I, I don't think, because he was so unassuming. You didn't even know he was there. But that was the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out. Somebody I forgot to uh, shout out last week. A new My Old Man Said patron, Clive Kane. Thank you very much uh, for signing up. Please do uh, support us as we would give you the real verdict on Villa uh, by becoming a My Own Man Said patron and you will get access to uh, Match Club, which we will be meeting up for the Brighton game and obviously the rescheduled Leeds games will be the next offerings the, we tend to meet up for the uh, away games most but also you know it's a constant thing 24 hour through the week anyway uh, in the various uh, channels and uh, also you'll get access to the extra My Own Man Said ex- podcast extra channel for patrons uh, who get exclusive shows there there's more coming your way this week so please do spread the word oh also you can sign up as uh on an annual subscription and get 15 percent off which is two free months so please do go to myomansaid.com and uh, click on the patreon link there for more details if you are listening to the show on spotify or apple uh, spotify have brought in like a rating button so uh, please give it a uh, a high five uh, if you uh would be so kind and uh click on notifications as well because you'll get a uh, a pop-up when uh, every new show drops so you can uh, listen to it straight away so uh thanks for listening any final words gentlemen to quote the alan parsons project where do we go from here there's there's always the women's curling final to watch hmm. uh, which uh, by the time this show goes out would have been uh over and done with another wonderful stone it is to great britain lead 10-3 and that's it 
The handshakes come. It's the gold medal. Great Britain have won the Olympic title. It's been 20 years since we can say it's curling gold. Right, until we get beat by Brighton, <coughs> until we play Brighton, uh, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, the only thing uh, else in the game, really, before we go, is uh, Watford fans just basically telling it as it is, singing, we're winning away, we're winning away, how shit must you be, we're winning away. Fair. There's not much, not much you can really add to that. And uh, the upper halt, the only thing they really could uh, respond with is... Uh, Elton John is fucking shit. Elton, Elton John is fucking shit. Well, he's not as shit as Villa are playing <laughs> at the moment. Especially his earlier albums. At least Elton John turns up and puts on a performance. Exactly, whether you like him or not. Willing to make a sacrifice. Uh, you're showing too much knowledge of Elton John there. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.